I have a Pixel, so I have to, to use Google Podcast on my phone. And like, so when I need God, to listen to Spanish, this is a Pixel. This is a <laughs> Pixel. Get with it. This, yeah. <laughs> this is a Pixel. It's a type of phone. It's the Google-based phone, and oh, so it's okay. it's in all the googly stuff. Oh. So okay. and googly is how you say Google in Spanish, and it's more fun. So that's what we do. <laughs> I, um, I was going to ask that. So uh, yeah. you covered. I well, I had it. another lingo. I'm not <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's well, yes, it is, but it's from Colombia. I had a friend who I just actually got to connect at a conference with who taught me in two or three, and she always refer to Google as Tio Google, Uncle Google. So when you when she didn't you'd have an answer, she'd be like, oh, talk to Tio Google. Uh, Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public education. Today, I'm joined by members of our research and study team from our new Merck study on teacher retention. Um, Our studies are led by faculty from the School of Education at VCU with educators and leaders from our school divisions serving on study teams to help ensure that their research is relevant to the experiences of schools in the Merck region. Um, Our goal for today is to introduce you to the topic of teacher retention in the Commonwealth, including what we know from the literature, what the trends are in our region, uh, what factors contribute to teachers staying and leaving, and what our plans are for this particular study. This is our first podcast episode related to teacher retention for this study, but we will have more um, as reports are released over the next couple of years, so be sure to stay tuned. We're also going to have, this is really cool, we're going to have a special series planned featuring conversations between new and veteran teachers from the Merck region about what keeps people in the profession, so it's another thing to look forward to. Stay tuned for those conversations coming your way throughout the course of the study. Um, also, we just wrapped our Connections Across Education series, which featured stories about the importance of relationships in public education from each of our seven Merck school divisions, so be sure to give those a listen. Uh, if you want to hear some good news from schools in metropolitan Richmond, we have a lot to discuss today, and I have an esteemed panel that I'm eager to introduce to you now. Uh, And since this is a study on teacher retention, after I introduce each of these folks to you, um, they're going to tell you about their favorite teacher they've had, which is hard to nail down, I'm sure. But we're going to start over here to my left with Jonathan Walker, who's uh, in his sixth year of teaching in Richmond Public Schools. He was a graduate of the Richmond Teacher Residencies second cohort, so RTR. We love RTR. We featured them a lot on this podcast. Uh, Jonathan has a BS from Longwood University, a master's in teaching from VCU, and he's currently studying school leadership and policy studies at the University of Richmond. He just took a four-hour test this morning related (laughs) to that program. Uh, He's serving as a teacher, department chair, and an administrative intern at Bedford Middle School. He somehow had time to join us for a podcast. John, tell us about your favorite teacher. My favorite teacher, her name is Rhonda Clopton. Uh, at Clover Hill High School. She was my AP literature teacher uh, my senior year. Uh, the reason why she's my favorite, and I still stay in touch with her when I see her around the neighborhood, but and just emailing her about being a teacher and how she's inspired me, but she was the first teacher to make being smart cool. Mm-hmm. She was the one that said it's okay to be intelligent and to you know be proud of being intelligent. So shout out to Miss Clopton. Is she still there? She is still there, coaching field hockey, 
killing it. She might yeah. she might be listening. She might be. We'll make I sure hope she is. We'll send this her way. Okay. Awesome. Uh, to his left, I've got Laron Scott. Uh, Laron is an assistant professor of special education in the School of Education at VCU. He teaches in the special education doctoral and master's degree program and designs online and face-to-face programs and courses in special education. He's a former middle school instructional assistant, high school special education teacher, department chair, and central office administrator. Currently, he researches recruitment and retention plans of culturally diverse special education teachers. He has developed collaborative partnerships with school division leaders in Virginia, which is based partially on recruiting and retaining culturally diverse special education teachers. His research efforts have led to receiving over $1.7 million in state and federal grant awards for his research and partnership efforts. So which teacher in your lifetime has set that course for Laurent Scott? So I would have to say it's Ms. Green, who uh, was my sixth grade math teacher. And Ms. Green was someone up until uh, that point, I was not a major fan of math. And she made math cool. She made me love math. She made me appreciate uh, her style of instruction, made me appreciate the, the, the idea that math does not have to be uh, up until that point what I thought it was. So shout out to Ms. Green. Ms. Green, hope you're listening. Um, we've got Meredith Parker. Uh, Meredith serves as the Director of Human Resources for Powhatan County Public Schools uh, she drove 45 mm-hmm. minutes to get here today, so we're glad she's here. Prior to coming to Powhatan in July 2018, Meredith has served as a middle school math and reading teacher, an administrative intern, assistant principal, associate principal, and human resource specialist with Henrico County Public Schools. You've done everything in Henrico County. Uh, she is a graduate of Emory and Henry College, where she earned her BA, and Virginia Commonwealth University, where she earned her MED and PhD, passionate about teacher retention research. Meredith's dissertation title is Retention of Novice Middle School Teachers and Examination of Factors that, af- that Affect Their Decisions to Remain, which is, I'm sure, available online if anybody wants to read it. Oh, and you can purchase it. I did receive two years ago a check for my portion. It was $32.68, <laughs> and that I, I did cash it, but I have a picture of it, and that's the one. Only one person in the United States has purchased it, but... It was, I'm sure, a really good read for that person. That's exciting. <laughs> Can I borrow $32.68? At any time. Okay, anytime. great. Who was your favorite teacher? My favorite teacher, definitely um, Sharon Stratton. She was um, my exceptional education case manager when I was in second grade. I was diagnosed with dyslexia Mm -hmm. and could not read at all. I was really good at memorizing, and my parents were educators, and they noticed right away something was was not right. And um, But with her work and help and um, really telling me that I can do anything that I want to do and the support of my parents, I have. And she's awesome. Awesome. Battling her second round of cancer, mm. but she's doing really well. Man, strong. Yes, she um, is. Well, welcome. Glad to have you here. And then we have uh, Allison Fleming. Allison Fleming is a senior teacher at Lee Davis High School in mm-hmm. Hanover County. In addition to teaching Spanish, she is a mentor coordinator for her school and works on the new teacher induction committee at the county level. Prior to being a senior teacher, Allison has taught at the elementary, secondary, and post-secondary levels. She received a Bachelor of Arts in History, Bachelor of Arts in Foreign Languages, an MA in Foreign Languages, and an MA in Secondary Education, all 
from West Virginia University. Is that right? Years. Yeah. It's <laughs> great to be a mountaineer. That's right. Allison, tell us about your favorite teacher. So, okay, first of all, I don't do favorites well. I understand. Um, my favorite teacher is probably going to have to be Barbara Scott because God bless her soul. She had me for three years for 10th grade honors English, AP Lit, AP Composition, and two years in newspaper. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, your most profound person was somebody who helped you with your dyslexia. Um, Barbara Scott helped me to untangle the chaos that was in my brain <laughs> to communicate in a fashion that the rest of the world could understand. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Awesome. Um, well, welcome. Glad to have you here. And then finally, we have Bruce Philman. Uh, after attending Indiana University of Pennsylvania, where he received a Bachelor of Science in Education and a commission into the United States Army Reserve, Bruce Philman moved to Virginia where he taught fourth grade in Richmond Public Schools. Upon completing his second year of teaching, he was deployed to the Middle East in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, returning from deployment, he joined Chesterfield County Public Schools as a teacher at Bonaire Elementary School. He then earned his Master of Education degree in Educational Leadership from Virginia Commonwealth University. He was appointed the assistant principal at Swift Creek Elementary School in 2011 and shortly thereafter began working on a, a doctoral degree in educational leadership at VCU. Bruce, who's your favorite teacher? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I would have to say my favorite teacher was a, a third, fourth, and fifth grade teacher I had that taught music, uh, Mr. Judd. Uh, he wasn't a classroom teacher, but he was the teacher I went to weekly to learn how to play uh, the cello. Uh, which my parents had no idea what it was at the time, neither did I. Um, but it's, it was how I was able to get into college uh, on a music scholarship and how I was able to help pay through, for college. Um, mm-hmm. I was one of the first in my family to go through uh, college, so it was, it was interesting navigating how you fund all of that and pay for that and then do the business of college. Mm-hmm. So definitely Mr. Judd. Had I known you played the cello, I would have definitely asked for you to bring your cello. Oh, I, I want to play this today. theremin right now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen later. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how to play it. But. <laughs> well, thanks for your service to our country and to our students. We're grateful for you. Um, and my name is David Naff. I'm the Assistant Director of Research and Evaluation for the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, my favorite teacher, it's hard to narrow this down. We did this discussion over the summer, and I talked about my fifth grade teacher, Ms. True, who was awesome. But for the purposes of this, I'll say Miss Satterfield, my eighth grade algebra teacher. Um, I had one year of my life that was kind of like my rebellious knucklehead year, and that was my eighth grade. Only one? Only one <laughs> so far. Um, and Miss Satterfield was just really great about not letting me get away with, um, you know, kind of underperforming and knew what I was capable of and pushed me, and I still think about her, and she's terrific. So thanks, Miss Satterfield, for all that you've done. Um, and thanks to all of you guys for being here today. I'm going to give a little bit of background on this study, and then we're going to hop into some discussion around the issue of teacher retention. So uh, giving some background on how this study initiated. So this was proposed as a new topic in October of 2017 by our Policy and Planning Council, which is made up of area superintendents, school division leaders, research directors. Um, And it was proposed along with several other critical issues in public education. And then through a series of discussions with school division leaders last winter and spring, they ultimately decided that 
retaining high-quality teachers was a critical focus area in the region, as well as across the Commonwealth. The Virginia Department of Education identifies this as a, a key thing that we need to focus on every year, and they put out a list of critical shortage areas. Um, so this shows that um, even though there are other topics that our council was considering there, they really wanted to focus on teacher retention. Um, but what's interesting about that is we've, we've studied something similar to this before. So in 2016, we had a related study to this. Um, Merck published a report titled uh, Understanding Teacher Morale that focused on what factors contribute to teacher demoralization. Um, it was a multi-case study in Merck Division schools, speaking with teachers and principals about teacher morale. Um, it talked about things like the degree to which teachers feel like they're being treated as professionals, um, how much teachers are able to focus on the things that attracted to them to the profession in the first place, namely students, the kind of extracurricular demands, the sense of collegiality that they felt like they had with their colleagues at school, um, the amount of support that they received from administration. Uh, that report's available on our website as well as a podcast episode with that research and study team. But that kind of set the stage and let our council know that like, this is something that's really important for us to focus on. So we're hoping to build off of what we learned from that study to help us understand what um, lead what leads teachers to stay here in the region. Um, so in spring and summer of 2018, we identified um, an amazing research and study team uh, that has four VCU School of Education faculty. Typically, we have two. So if that gives you any idea about how much people are interested in this, Laurent's one of four faculty that are involved with this study, along with um, Jesse Seneschal and me. And then 17 uh, division leaders that are participating on this. We have teachers, principals, um, and other leaders on this study. So this is something that we're excited to hit the ground running with, and there's a lot for us to unpack. So, Laron, let's get into some background for this. All right. What do we mean by teacher retention, and how effectively are we able to retain teachers across the Commonwealth of Virginia? Well, I think you said it best in your opening. Um, so teacher retention ultimately is the ability to uh, keep effective teachers in the classroom, right? So... When we apply it to our conversation today, uh, we understand that it's a little more of a complex issue than just keeping teachers in the classroom. So peeling back the layers of, of the onion here, uh, thinking about the what's happening across the state of Virginia. When we look at the numbers, uh, we understand that about um, since 2005 up until uh, this point, we have lost about 8,000 teachers. So a uh, big part of that 8,000 was lost in what we uh, now call the Great Recession, which was the years 2008 to 2012. But across uh, the uh, years of 2005, 2017, 18, uh, in total, we've lost about 1,000 teachers from uh, Virginia. And when we, when we compare that to the gains in students, uh, which has been about 80,000, mm. they kind of contextualize what the, the problem is, mm. right? And so, and we can unpack that more and understand uh, when we look at certain uh, content areas, when we look at certain uh, demographic characteristics of teachers, uh, this issue's become that much more complicated. Mm. And so, uh, but in general, uh, what we're looking at across the uh, Richmond metro area is uh, about 82% of teachers across uh, the state of Virginia have been retained uh, from 2005 up until this point. In the Richmond metro area, that percentage drops to about 78%. Mm. So we are 
at a little bit more of a crisis than uh, at the state level. But in general, we have some um, some some local con- local concerns that we have to. Uh, try to figure out when we think about this retention issue. Yeah. So this is a local issue, but also something that we're experiencing across the Commonwealth. What are some of the critical shortage areas? It's a good question. And so uh, when we think about our, probably our top three critical shortage areas, we have special education. Mm-hmm. We have STEM, which is our um, science, technology, engineering, math. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have elementary ed and we have um, ESL which is a, um, I guess that was four, not three, but some of our top areas that where we have the most issues um, at. And so when we dive into those numbers and we see some of the statistics around, let's take special education, for example, um, across the country, we have about 33,000 special education teachers. And many of those teachers will not be in a classroom next year. And that's a bit unfortunate. Um, but that's the reality of where we, where we are today. So we're talking about this issue of attrition. Um, but Ultimately, we want to try and figure out what can we do to keep effective teachers in a classroom because that's where it matters the most. Absolutely. So, Laurent already uh, alluded to this, but Meredith, why don't you talk to, about some of the challenges that teacher turnover presents for our school divisions, like financial costs, student outcomes, that sort of thing? Okay. The in terms of keeping teachers, we try really hard in Powhatan to retain the teachers that we have. We look very closely at what we can offer them um, to keep them. Um, many teachers have expressed the, the biggest challenge that they have is trying to be able to live on a teacher's salary, some of them being the, um, you know, a single, uh, we have a single mother, and then also being able to afford the health insurance. And then, then they're competing, we are competing with some of our, the bigger school divisions where they're able to tap into a higher salary or um, getting benefits at a, a more reduced rate. So we look at things like providing child care after school, providing transportation to our um, teachers, um, the students who, teachers who have students within our school system, getting their children to and from their work location for them. Those are little things that we can do to offer to keep the teachers. In terms of a quantifiable number for each teacher, I can't really gauge that, mm-hmm. but I think the biggest impact that we in Powhatan, as well as probably any other school division is going to see, is going to be on student growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back to my first year teaching, and y'all, I was a phenomenal first year teacher. I'm just <laughs> you and I am horrified at some of the things that I did. Just you're yeah. brand new, you know, mm-hmm. and you, that door shuts, and you think you've got all the training in the world, and yeah. you care so much about the students. But then when I, like, really think back, and I was like, did I, did I really do that? Is that the way that I thought that instruction was best? And mm-hmm. um so anytime that we're losing a teacher that's been seasoned, that's been, that has gone through our mentoring programs, that, that has um, been trained by our um, technology people from our assistant principals and our principals, the amount of time that is spent on the care and growing those teachers to then lose them, it's detrimental to the students' learning. And that's that, I think, is the biggest outcome. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you're doing in your division to specifically work with new teachers? So the new folks that are coming in, how are you supporting them? We offer um, all of our new teachers are given a mentor, and that's pretty consistent through the state um, requirements. But in Powhatan, we hold uh, ABCs of PCPS, mm-hmm. which are basically monthly summer or monthly institutes all throughout the year, starting in August with our opening one, where we invite the teachers, we um, rent 
rent this big limo bus with James Limousine and take it, do a tour of Powhatan. And um, we have donuts from Sweet Shop Cafe, which have um, really amazing donuts. And <laughs> so we try to really just, and we roll out the red carpet and just you know, make them believe that this is the best, and I believe that it is. And mm-hmm. so they get a tour of our school division, and they get to see our town, and um, we stop by the courts building where the sheriff comes out and says hello. I mean, all of the little, <laughs> like, think about Mayberry in your head, and we roll it out and we do it. And it's great because we do steal a lot of teachers from some of the larger school divisions that are looking for something a little bit different. And mm-hmm. um so, but the ABCs of PCPS, each month we offer training um, at the beginning, and it's, it's related to the life cycle of a teacher. So we've got, um, in November, we did parent-teacher conferences as well as report cards, things that you should be thinking about and doing. And um, then in September, it's classroom management. And so we offer these sessions throughout because we felt like in August, we want to be able to make the teachers feel welcome mm-hmm. and get them in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And so then throughout the year, we offer the, the trainings. Yeah. And those are all great supports. Um, everything you're just describing. So, you know, recruitment, retention, um, doing this onboarding effort and all this training. I mean, all those, it ends up being resource intensive, which contributes to the cost of Money. turnover. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And it sounds like you're also proposing this radical idea that we should maybe pay teachers more. Well, you know, that's <laughs> just phenomenal. And yes, <laughs> I am proposing that. And one thing that I've kind of just really through this, our group, um, and mainly the teacher summit that we went to on teacher retention, when we, as a school division, look at salary, we compare against you know, our region, our region one counterparts. And so, okay, well, where do we rank with Henrico? Where do we rank with Goochland and where do we fall? But it's a problem in Virginia. We're not paying our teachers. And so comparing to Goochland and Virginia isn't going to change. And I was really interested in hearing Charlottesville is comparing a a market study, looking at what someone with a college degree, a master's degree, would be able to come out and make within the private sector. And then looking at, okay, what are comparable rates and salaries? And I really think that we as educators and policymakers need to move forward with that because we are losing teachers. And it's, you know, when give an example that just kills me. But when um, this summer, when I was making an offer to um, a single mom who has two kids, so she was going to need to go on our family plan for insurance, and she was not going to be able to afford it, and she just wasn't going to be able to accept the job. And a colleague said, oh, well, you know, she can put her children on public assistance with Famous. And um, and that's what I do for a, a educated master's mm. degree individual. I'm talking to them about public assistance for their children mm-hmm. so that they can come and work for in our school division. Man. yeah. And that's so not just problem. true in Virginia, right? Yeah, like the right. Virginia Teacher Retention Summit, they yeah. put that information up there, how many states had teachers potentially qualifying for, yeah. Yeah, and it's scary. That's really scary, and it's not the way we need to we need to make a change. Right, and you've seen this from the teacher side, but also as the HR director now. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you, if you, what's it like to see it from both of those angles, like thinking back to your experience as a teacher and now directing HR? You know, I don't know that my experience is necessarily accurate because when I was teaching, I was young, single, no responsibilities other than my car payment and Mm -hmm. my rent. And it was fine Um, since, you know, but I when I make these offers to individuals and, you know, I think about I I would have a very hard time living on a teacher salary. I'm a single parent with two kids. Mm -hmm. I need to be on the family plan. I don't I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Sure. And I, I would I think if. I were still in the classroom, I would be looking for another job. Yeah. 
Well, we at Merck unabashedly say that we love teachers, and we have a couple of teachers, real-life teachers, in the room right now. So I'm going to start over here with John. John, talk to us about what's it like to be a teacher but also a teacher leader because you're a teacher leader within your school. What are the rewards and what are the challenges? Yeah, so I guess becoming a teacher leader is that moment where you're invited to the table um, with the school leadership. So they've opened it up to you. Um, you're now out of your bubble of your own classroom and thinking, you know, on a more macro level of how am I going to impact the school as a teacher, um, bigger than just what I'm doing with the 60 students that I see every single day. Um, when it's done really well, the leadership is being shared by your principal or by your assistant principal with the teachers that were invited. So it's not just a we're inviting you as a leader to the table because we want you to take our message and give it out to the people <laughs> out there. It's We're making decisions together that are going to improve the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a teacher leader, when it's done well, you're partnering with school leadership in order to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, rewards of that, one, the school improves because you're getting a teacher's perspective on things. Uh, buy-in to whatever the vision and the mission of the school is. Uh, when a teacher is invited to that table, especially a leader in the building, they're going to be more likely to carry on um, what your vision is as a school principal um, and communicate that with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Retention is another thing. I think one thing that's kept me in the city and one thing that's kept me in the classroom is just being identified and tapped as somebody with potential to be a leader and that had a valued voice. Mm -hmm. I think when principals do that for teachers, whether they're new teachers or veteran teachers, you're showing that you value them, you want them to stay in the school. If you're not ever given that opportunity, you're maybe not as bought in um, and likely to stay in that building. Mm -hmm. Um, So retention is another piece. Morale, I think, when you're sharing leadership with teachers in the building and making decisions about the climate and culture of the building, um, that can only come from a shared focus from teachers. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about um you had mentioned that you kind of felt like you got tapped to be a leader. And so teacher retention is something that is a particular issue in in, um, high-poverty urban environments. And so programs like Richmond Teacher Residency, of which you're an alum, is specifically designed to train teachers to work in those environments, but also to serve as teacher leaders in their schools. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what kind of inspired you to to pursue that specific program and how it's it's made you think about your job. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Your listeners probably know a lot about RTR. Should I go in a little bit about <laughs> go that? For so it. RTR for teachers uh, recruits people who don't have necessarily an education background um, from all over the country, but have a desire to be in the classroom. Um, and it's not just a quick commitment. It's you're committed to Richmond for three years, and they pay for your masters. Uh, you get a mentor teacher and a year long residency where you're kind of gradually released. Um, as far as your ownership of the classroom until you finish your graduate degree in teaching and you finish the year under a master teacher, and then after that year you then commit to three years in Richmond Public Schools Mm -hmm. uh, with continued support from Richmond Teacher Residency. Mm -hmm. So that program we could talk about for for hours. Um, The model that we're trying to start talking about now with RTR and alongside Jesse Seneschal with Merck um, is this idea that has kind of spawned from my principal, Melissa Rickey, who is at Benford, um, and she started off in Chesterfield uh, over at Robius Middle um, under her principal, Javed Siddiqui, mm-hmm. um, who kind of designed 
a residency style model for her when he saw something in her where he pulled her part time out of the classroom as an art teacher, gave her some leadership roles. She was able to kind of see exactly what it felt like to be a school leader. Um, she's now created that for me at hmm. Benford over the past couple of years because it just didn't really exist um, in the district and then in the region as well. So I've been able to spend part of the time in the classroom and part of the time in the office and learning, mm-hmm. you know, administrative duties and to the point where that being paired with my education at U of R right now is prepping me to be ready for the next step. Yeah. And part of what um, VDOE has talked about in relation to teacher retention is this idea that we should probably start putting more resources and energy into these types of mentoring and leadership models Mm. with the idea that not only is it beneficial for newer teachers because they get a chance to kind of learn under the the tutelage of an experienced teacher, but it also provides teachers the opportunity to be ambitious and entrepreneurial and to advance in their career. So Mm -hmm. would you say that it is valuable for us to invest in those kinds of models? Absolutely. I think... Your second part of your question, the challenges um, for teacher leaders are you are taking on so much more responsibility as either a department chair or a grade level chair or just a leader in the building, um, back to salary and time and things like that. So if you're asking more of a teacher but paying them the same amount or they're only on a nine and a half month contract when they're really working 12 months of the year, how creative can we get with uh, compensating teacher leaders to keep them in the buildings? Yeah. Well, We know that there's factors that lead teachers to leave the profession. We know that teacher attrition is an issue. Um, Allison, why don't you talk to us about that? What are some of the factors that lead teachers to leave? So uh, I was very fortunate to be at the Teacher Retention Summit in October, and one of the things that impressed me was not only the data that we had from the state that looked at the fact that 50% of our teaching force will leave by year 11, which is just astronomical in its impact, but also the national data that we were able to get And, you know, the biggest factors being dissatisfaction with the job, whether that's lack of support for new teachers, lack of admin support, or just the very challenging context in which one teaches, Um, teachers leaving for family and personal reasons, retirement, which we all hope we get to, Um, (laughs) let's be honest, right? Um, Those choosing to pursue a different career for a challenge or a different perspective, and those who are leaving for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. And... You know, in my work with teachers and having been around, I feel at least for my district, the national data mirrors what we see. Mm. Um, And I have known teachers, you know, qualitative data speaking, who have left the profession for family reasons. They're Mm -hmm. pulled in too many directions and they have to make a tough choice. It's their Mm -hmm. calling, but they have to take care of their family first. I do know teachers who retired, so there's hope for us. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've known teachers who decided to go to law school or to pursue other careers that just that, sat, that brought them a sense of satisfaction maybe in a different regard. Hmm. And there are those who are just, they're frustrated. They're frustrated with the national conversation. They're frustrated with various facets, and, and they choose to try to do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you did a, a good job there of um, parsing out some of the the ways where it's challenging to really understand how many teachers leave because you have people who retire mm-hmm. and you have people that transition to other roles within their divisions and then you have people who maybe shift divisions. So this is talking about people who actually leave the profession yeah. entirely. These are the exiters. Yeah. Which, you know, we know that there's going to be shifting between districts for in a multitude of reasons. You might live in one district and work another and this is more convenient. Maybe you want your kids to go to one school or you know, you're having to move for other reasons. 
And we know that there's those who choose to take a different position within the district, which I believe all of us in this room can, Mm. you know, that describes us. We all left the classroom full time to pursue another type of position to serve our schools and Mm -hmm. our school districts. Yeah, sure. And you you describe teaching as a calling. It is a calling. Not everybody thinks of their profession as a calling, I imagine, and people leave their jobs all the time. But what what would what would it take for somebody to leave something that they considered to be their calling? I hmm, how to phrase this part properly? I think a tremendous weight upon the soul. Hmm. For lack of a better expression, I think it has to be. There are those who maybe this isn't the right calling for them. They wanted to try it for great reasons. Maybe they misunderstood what was required within the profession. Hmm. Um, Maybe it was something they did for a period of time to move on to something else. We know millennials like to change jobs and pursue new experiences. But I think for somebody for who this is a true calling, it has to be something monumentally hindering within their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Having to go on public assistance to take care of their children because their calling is hurting their family. Or um, the sandwich generations where Mm -hmm. you have small children and elderly parents that you have to take care of and you have to go there. you know, burnout. Um, you know, we talk about if you ever do any um, reading into trauma-informed care, there's this idea of compassionate fatigue mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you care and you care and you care and you care and you just burn out your ability to care more. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who that's their calling, that's that's a very, very difficult thing, I think, to contend with. Absolutely. Um, well, one of the things that we learned from our um, understanding teacher morale study, uh, in addition to a lot of the things that you were just describing, Allison, was how critical it is to have administrative support mm-hmm. whenever um, we're talking about the issue of retaining teachers. Um, Bruce, you're the principal of J.G. Henning Elementary School in Chesterfield. What role do administrators play in retaining teachers? It's a deep question. Uh, you know, I, I think a, a major role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a principal of a school, you, you hire the staff and you grow the staff and you support the staff. And um, I mean, ultimately, we talked about burnout. You know, if you don't support the staff or provide them what they need, then they do leave. Um, either they leave because they're not up to the job, or they leave because they're frustrated and and are just kind of tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as, as a principal, I try and keep that in the forefront. It's our job to take care of the students, yes, but it's also our job to take care of the teachers, so that the teachers can take care of the students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tell my teachers all the time that um, you have to believe what I'm saying. I can't tell you what to to do, what to how to act, because ultimately, when that door closes, you're going to teach the way that you believe is right. And so my job as an administrator is to support those those teachers, whether it be first-year teachers or 30-year teachers, in um, developing that toolbox mm-hmm. so that they're not burning out, so that they do feel supported. Um, we've done some very creative things. We have um, an instructional coach on staff that we've used our Title I funding for that meets with new teachers to the building, not just new teachers, but new teachers monthly um, as a whole, and then weekly, if not more, with some teachers. Often I find I try and do exit interviews with our teachers that leave on, on why, you know, what, what was the cause behind this. And it's, if it's not for a promotion or for a higher paying job or to take care of a child that they've had now, they're going to be a stay-at-home mom or something like that. It usually is due to um, a lack of – a sense of frustration or a lack of a skill and that which results in frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as an administrator, it's up to us to grow the teachers and support them. 
um, and, and not tell them what to do, but help them figure out how to do it mm-hmm. uh, and how to reach those children and, and, and how to, um, you know, be as we all started, you know, th- this conversation with our favorite teacher um, and, and what that meant. I, I see my job is trying to give the children of my building that favorite teacher uh, and allow that teacher to have the latitude to become that teacher. I don't think many people get into this profession not wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's why we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as, as I look at teacher retention and the administrator's role, our job is to remove those barriers and to build them up and, and support the teachers so that our kids can, can soar. Yeah. I've, I've said this before on this podcast. I've never been an administrator, but I've worked with plenty of them. And um, I've had the chance to shadow some through some of the studies that we've done. And when I've shadowed them, they're impossible to keep up with <laughs> because you're pulled in a thousand directions. So the job of a, an administrator is almost impossible because you're accountable to the, to the students, to the faculty. You have other duties that are assigned. And I mean, especially as the lead principal of a school, you're in charge of keeping a school cohesive. So how do you balance the need to have structure in the school while also granting that kind of autonomy that you were talking about to your teachers? Yeah, sometimes you feel more of a first responder. Uh, You know, you have that that parent coming in that needs to speak. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That needs to speak to you now. But you have that that kid who's, you know, in that moment and, and needs someone to support them. And the teacher that's that's got a couple questions, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my favorite favorite sayings, I guess, as I'm going down the hallway, it's not really a saying, but is do you have a minute? And, <laughs> you know, we never really have a moment, but it's what you make. It's what you prioritize. Mm-hmm. And so you try and be there for everyone. Um, you know, but but it is there, there is a lot of triaging. There is a lot of trying to uh, keep the the mission of the school. Uh, we've done a lot of work of defining the mission of the school and defining what our values are, so that we can guide those conversations for that. You know, if a parent's coming to you and demanding to speak to you now, it, it is important. You know, that to them, that's very important. Mm-hmm. And and um, but I think it's also important that they realize that when you're spending that time with them during the school day, that you're not out in the building supporting the students and the teachers as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, just. Not that it's not important. I think that it's having that common understanding so that um, you're, you're able to kind of get to everything or everything comes to a resolution. But I think you also have to empower you know, those around you. You yeah. have to um, – I was just recently heard someone speak and they talked about your office staff blocking and tackling for you. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I like that analogy as much. But, 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 uh, yeah, but, but I do think when you support that teacher and that teacher understands the, the vision and mission of the school, that takes some of that off of you because you're all speaking the same language. Um, you're all heading in the same direction. And so that mitigates some of that need sometimes. And so I think sharing that that authority or that that power helps in that. Um, you know, that's challenging though because not everyone's going to make the same decision you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to again be able to kind of wrap around and support and have those conversations and mentor uh, and really be clear and concise in your message and vision and mission for the school. Yeah. Well, from now on, when I email you, I'm going to put in the subject line, do you have a minute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I know you don't. Um, so there's a lot of directions that we could take with this study. There's a lot to explore. Um, we've been talking about this a lot over the last semesters of research and study team about what our plan is. Laurent, why don't you talk us through some of our next steps for this study? What is it that we're planning on doing? Well, 
I think many of the folks in the room have actually uh, helped to define what our next steps uh, need to be and what we have talked as a group of what those steps will look like. I uh, think about Allison and her discussion around the attrition issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you did a really amazing job of putting that in context and unpacking some of the uh, answers that we have about why teachers are leaving the field. Um, and that goes back to a, a um, kind of an area of we've done a good job in the field to some degree of diagnosing, right? What are the issues and what are the challenges that teachers are facing? Uh, have not put in place the steps to actually uh, support uh, teachers and school divisions in order to solve those uh, challenges. And so I think that's where a part of this uh, part of the study is, is, is going to go, is uh, taking those topics and issues that we've talked around uh, this room about and unpacking them more, helping to understand and diagnose, but also finding solutions to the answers that uh, many of our local school divisions and leaders are, are seeking answers to. Again, going back to the topic of attrition, one example might be uh, Research has, uh, for many years, given us answers to uh, the question of why some teachers leave. But when we look at some of our um, questions around why, for example, teachers of color may leave, that response might look different. Mm -hmm. And so we have not yet unpacked uh, those types of concerns. When we look at uh, certain fields like special education and uh, ESL and some of our other high needs areas and understanding the job responsibilities and understanding how those responsibilities lead to either teachers staying in the classroom or again leaving the classroom. Those things we still have to unpack. When we look at early career teachers, for example, uh, which is an area that uh, I believe uh, this Merck study will help to cover, uh, understanding the uh, the issues that early career teachers face, and how can we do a better job of retaining them? Um, because we obviously know without our early career teachers that you won't get to retirement. Um, <laughs> when we uh, look at what my two friends here uh, talked about with the uh, administrative um, component of what contributes to teachers uh, staying in the field, um, I believe the Merck study will help to uh, to some degree, um, answer that question from the administrative perspective. Mm -hmm. The um, we know that admin has such a tough job, and we cannot place the blame at their feet solely. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a much more complicated issue than that. And so, being able to um, understand that better and hopefully find solutions to some of these um, challenges that we're facing in the school division, school divisions, and perhaps to some degree across the state and nation, I think is going to be helpful. But enough of the diagnosing. Uh, again, <laughs> thinking about uh, all the good that this study um, has the potential of impacting, uh, we'll actually get a chance to see what are we doing really well, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so uh, you talked, Meredith, you talked about some um, really great programs that uh, Powhatan has underway, and we know about some really great programs uh, locally that some of our school divisions are employing. So perhaps doing some evaluation 
of those programs to understand the good that they're doing. And uh, if for some reason we have some programs and um, that may need to be uh, looked at twice, um, this study I think will help to um, provide a solid answer about whether there has to be some restructuring or need to be some restructuring there. Um, so burying a little deep, deeper mm -hmm. than what we've done um, surface-wise, uh, for many, many years and um, unpacking the layers and understanding uh, these things contextually from, again, subject area, from uh, teacher demographics, from um, leadership, all different perspectives, I think is going to be the next step sort of study. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, um, I, I think you really touched on the whole point of Merck, right? So like, if there's a, a group of researchers in a room and we were talking about this issue the kind of study that we would design wouldn't be nearly as robust or relevant as if we have these great people from our school divisions in the room to really be able to provide that feedback and make sure it's actually something that matters to the schools. And we're still working on getting that, that study. To, we have a study design in mind, and it's we're working on um, the, the next steps for approval for that so we can charge forward with it. But we know we want to know more about the the data on this because the data is fairly inconsistent. We don't totally know what the issue of teacher retention really looks like because the data tends to be consistent. So we're trying to figure out what that data is. We want to know about the factors that contribute to it. Like you were saying, Laurent, even things like um, the, the role that administrators play, but also some of those demographic variables, mm -hmm. right? Like we know that some of our divisions may have more of an interest in, in recruiting and retaining um, racial minority teachers, where in some divisions it's more just like an overall issues of retention that we wanted to look at. We want to know more about policies. We want to know more about the costs associated with it. And then trying to understand the types of um, initiatives that our school divisions have already. Meredith was alluding to some of the things that they're doing in Powhatan right now about how do you you know, get teachers excited about staying in the profession in your, your division. And so trying to do some sort of an evaluation of that about, like, what is it that leads teachers to stay? And then throughout that whole process, we've got this other podcast series where we're going to have new and veteran teachers talking to each other about what are the factors that lead people to stay in the profession. So there's a lot of things that we're going to be doing for this. It's going to be um, busy but exciting, and we've got yeah. a, a great team assembled for it. So um, I want to wrap up with this. What makes teachers stay, guys? What do you think? What are the factors? I think just letting teachers teach, removing the barriers. That's what they, they've come into the profession to do. I think having teachers equally compensated with, you know, financially compensated for the work that they are doing, for the education that they bring to the table, the work that they're doing outside of the classroom, the summer hours that they're working. You think about teachers and how much work that they do it doesn't even compare to a 40-hour work week. It just doesn't. And so looking at ways that we can um, make that more equitable. And then also um, John and Bruce really talked a lot about the administrative support, and that's that's huge. And finding, I loved the story that you gave because anytime administrators within the building um, can grow their own, that's that's mm -hmm. huge because you've already put that investment and then you're you've already trained to kind of know the way that you know it's that it should be done within the school division and it's it's the perfect opportunity so that's mm -hmm. more opportunities like that i think for me the teachers i know that have lasted the longest they are there for the potential to positively impact change mm -hmm. and whether they're doing that by being in a classroom or whether they do that in, in teacher leadership that's not admin track, which is kind of my thing, and seeing how much their efforts have gone to positively impact the community or 
the school system, which then serves a bigger crowd, it it in addition to feeling valued, it makes you feel like it's time well spent, that mm-hmm. you accomp- that deep sense of accomplishment. And when you have the support from admin to grow in that way and the financial support so that you can live and do that, I think it's very powerful and it allows them to stay and really do what they're most passionate about. I agree. I think um, it's it's really multilayered, but certainly the children that are being impacted by great and effective teachers is uh, probably the top reason why teachers stay. Uh, we think about the families, again, the communities that teachers are um, are in on a day-to-day basis and the, uh, the fact that these students and communities and families are appreciating the, all the work and all the effort that teachers uh, are are, uh, that teachers really go through. We see this on the news often where, again, schools or teachers or administrators uh, have a call for uh, some level of support, and students and parents respond to that. And I think that goes to show that uh, when we think about this complicated system as a, as a whole, um, it, it, it really takes a unit to um, to really find some level of, of, of understanding but appreciation uh, for uh, teachers who are really doing, I think, an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say in addition to all those ideas, uh, admin that supports teachers and finding that balance uh, outside of school. Um, we hear a lot about self-care, but a lot of teachers don't know how to do that because they are naturally selfless and everything that they're they're doing, uh, including the salary that they're taking. So um, just having an administrator that encourages teachers to take care of themselves and to find balance and is more aware of when they're not having that balance, how to support it or yeah. to keep teachers in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and at our conference, we had a, a table where people were able to write down some of the factors that lead teachers to stay in the profession, and they, they gave a variety of answers. And these were um, students and teachers and school division leaders and researchers and all kinds of people that were there. Um, but the thing that stood out to me is that over and over again, they just said students, students, right? Mm-hmm. Like the teachers are there because they want to serve students. And I would say that any any opportunity we give to, to provide more resources and remove barriers that allow teachers to do the thing that you know brought them into the profession to begin with, that's what we should be doing. Um, so we're going to leave that there for now. Uh, but if you're interested in this topic, you could stay up to date on the progress of this Merck study by visiting our website at merck.soe.vcu.edu slash projects. That's merc.soe.vcu.edu slash projects. And clicking on teacher retention, uh, there you'll find information about this study, including background information, our timeline, and a list of our research and study team members. Continue to check back on that page for study updates, including resources, reports, and future podcast episodes. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we hope that you'll share this episode with anyone you believe could benefit from joining our conversation. We're eager to bring them to the table with us. Uh, You could access Abstract on the Merck website as well as on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, We hope that you'll subscribe and leave some feedback on any of these platforms. You could also sign up for our email listserv on our website and follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date on all things Merck. Um, Our thanks, as always, to the VCU School of Education for supporting the work that we do at Merck. To Jesse Seneschal for his fearless direction, to Kyle Yoga Muffin Rudd for our super cool theme music, to the wonderful and talented Tracy Knapp for our logo design, and to all of our partnering school divisions, Chesterfield, Goochland, 
Hanover, Henrico, Petersburg, Powhatan, and Richmond. Um, our thanks to Jonathan Walker, Laron Scott, Meredith Parker, Allison Fleming, and Bruce Fillman for their hard work on this study and for joining our conversation today. And of course, thanks to all the teachers, researchers, students, parents, school leaders, policymakers, and other stakeholders in public education, including you, for joining our conversation today. Uh, we hope that we will continue to find ways to help teachers stay. My name is David Naff, and this has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in public education. Let's talk again soon.